On a warm March morning, 1923, as the silhouette of Luxor was starting to fade out of the darkness of night, most of Egypt was still fast asleep. But not Lord Carnovan. Lord Carnovan was wide awake, staring at his reflection in the mirror with a razor in his hand. He was shaving in his room, as he did every other morning, carefully avoiding his bushy grey moustache. But today, things were about to take a dire turn. Yesterday, Lord Carnovan paid a visit to the Valley of the Kings, home to the largest collection of pharaonic tombs. He was sweating profusely in his three-piece suit, with little more than a wide-brimmed hat to shelter him from the scorching sun. But he didn't care much, for he had just come across a major discovery, one that would come to define ancient Egypt as we know it. But we'll get to that later. Amidst all the excitement, a mosquito had found its way to Carnovan's cheek and decided to help itself to a meal of his blood, leaving behind a nasty swollen bump. The very same bump the Lord's razor was now steadily making its way towards. The mosquito bite was sliced open and got infected. The resulting blood poisoning progressed into pneumonia and then less than a month later, on the 5th of April, that very same year, 1923, Lord Carnovan passed away at the Continental Savoy Hotel in Cairo. The Lord's death was certainly unfortunate, but you may be wondering what this has to do with an episode about curses. After all, medicine wasn't as advanced back then as it is now. People died from preventable causes all the time. But here's where things get a little weird. The injury that led to Lord Carnovan's death, a scar on his left cheek, is also found on the cheek of the man who vowed to kill him. The curious thing is, the two men died over 3,000 years apart. Welcome to Pharaohcast, hosted by Salwa Shnuda. My name is Salwa, and I am a tour guide in Egyptian history. And myself, Danny Arafa. Join us as we embark on an expedition through the rich and mysterious stories of ancient Egypt and how these stories still affect us today. Before we start digging into today's episode, I'd like to issue a quick disclaimer. A lot of the stories you're about to hear were written down in newspapers and journals a hundred years ago and have since been told and retold many times. It's not easy tracking down the original sources of information, and we're sure that many of these stories have been exaggerated and sensationalized, but they're the closest thing that we've got to the truth, so that's what we'll be sharing. Feel free to sit back and enjoy these stories for what they are, taking them with a grain of salt. We do, however, have one story that took place in 2005, and it may just be the most intriguing one of all. Today's topic is about the curse. What is the curse? The curse is a punishment to a person who entered an Egyptian tomb and stolen the mummy of the pharaoh. That person who dared to violate the eternity house of the pharaoh and disturbed his eternal peace. As the ancient Egyptians believed in immortality, resurrection, and life after death. That's why they prepared the tombs the minute they became king and was crowned on the throne of Egypt. And they spent all their life trying to preserve the mummies. That's why mummification was a great science. The journey of the underworld was the greatest aim of the ancient Egyptians, as they dreamed 
of traveling in the sun boat with the sun god Ra, where they will travel through the eternal gates to meet the god of the underworld and the god of heavens, Osiris. For that journey, the ancient Egyptian had to keep the mummies well preserved. Without the mummy, they will never make it to the underworld. As it was believed, on the day of resurrection, the soul of the king will return back into its tomb and recognize the body or the mummy of the pharaoh and they will lie together and they will start the journey for the hereafter. So if there is no mummy in the tomb, the king will be deprived of his eternal life. He will never rise again from death and he will never survive to be in the presence of God Osiris and to enjoy the hours in paradise. So to protect the body and the mummy and to protect the tombs, they had their own devices. The ancient Egyptians protected their tombs by what was called the cursed texts as well as the brick text. What are these texts? It is texts to protect the tombs against robbery and against evil spirits and anybody dare to approach and come inside the tomb. Like, for example, what we found on some of the gates of the tombs, a text all over the door mentioning that who you come to steal my tomb, I won't allow you and you will be punished and cursed. I am the tomb guard. I am the protector of the mummy. Beware to approach. Another device which was used by the ancient Egyptians to protect their tombs was called the curse of the bricks. We discovered in each tomb, in each corner, a brick. And on that brick, a statue representing one of the Egyptian gods who was supposed to guard these tombs. So we had four bricks in each corner of the tomb and standing on it four statues of the four protectors of the tomb who was mainly Anubis, the god of the dead. He is the jackal-headed god who was believed to protect the king and the body and the tomb. One of the very first recorded incidents of cursed mummies in Western culture dates back to 1699. French author Louis Ponchier in his book Treaties on Embalming, recounts the tale of a Polish merchant who bought two mummies in Alexandria, Egypt. On his journey back, he was haunted by two ghosts, and the weather continued to worsen until a violent storm swelled and threatened to capsize his ship. It was only after he threw the two mummies offboard that the weather calmed and the ghosts left him in peace. So how was it that an obscure archaeological fact exploded into an icon of pop culture? Hollywood has the tendency of taking people's fears and exasperating them. Death, eternal punishment for anyone who opens this casket. During the early 20th century, mummies graced the screen alongside Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Wolfman. The mummy, is it dead or alive? Human or inhuman? You'll know. You'll see, you'll feel the awful, creeping, crawling terror that stands your hair on end and brings a scream to your lips. The thing is though, unlike all these other monsters, mummies were very much real. And not only that, 
Mummies were accompanied with texts promising powerful curses and imminent resurrection. It's hard to blame the moviegoers of the mid-1900s for getting a little spooked, especially when you consider the fact that many of these stories blurred the lines between fiction and what was really going on in the real world. The story of the curse reached its peak with the discovery of the great tomb of King Tutankhamen in 1922. Howard Carter, a British archaeologist, was the one to discover the tomb. It was the 4th of November, 1922. The project of the discovery was financed by a British lord. Any guesses on who this British lord was? Lord Carnovan. Our friend from the start of the episode who passed away from an infected mosquito bite. Howard Carter took about five years to search for the tomb. He never gave up hope that the tomb is there somewhere in that magical place of the Valley of the Kings. And in the 4th of November 1922, it was the greatest day in Howard Carter's life, where he was able to discover and find the tomb complete and intact. Nothing is missing. The discovery of the tomb of King Tutankhamen was the greatest discovery in Egypt because the tomb was the only one to be found intact and complete. It has never been violated by any robbers until Carter was able to find the tomb. The tomb was concealed and hidden under another tomb that came from a later period. And that was the only logic reason why the tomb was never been found till that day. The tomb of King Tutankhamun is the poorest in structure, yet the richest in content. Howard Carter discovered inside the tomb more than 5,000 pieces of artifacts of different materials. Gold, silver, leopard skin, ostrich feathers, whatever you can imagine. All these magnificent masterpieces. Today, the collection and the artifacts and the treasures of the tomb, 5,000 pieces, are in a great royal exhibition in the Egyptian Museum in Cairo except one piece, which is the mummy of King Tutankhamun. He is still sleeping in his coffin made of wood and gold inside the tomb. During and after the discovery of King Tutankhamun's tomb, Many mysterious and spooky incidents and events took place around that excavation work. Mr. Carter, first time entering to the tomb, a sandstorm blown out in the whole Valley of the Kings. A big falcon was seen hovering over the tomb for more than six hours. What is this? Is it a warning message? Is it a signal from King Tutankhamun to tell everybody, leave the tomb and leave me in peace? At the entrance of the tomb of King Tutankhamun, there was a text inscribed on the wall mentioning that death with its poisonous wings will strike whom who will enter and disturb the king's peace. 
When Mr. Carter arrived to Egypt for his search for the tomb of King Tutankhamun, he brought with him a lovely canary bird. He kept that lovely bird in his private house, which was located very close to the Valley of the Kings. And on that day, when Carter left to Cairo to receive Lord Carnovan for the celebration of the tomb of King Tutankhamun, he left his canary bird in the hands of his private secretary and assistant, Mr. Callender, who mentioned that the bird was kept in the balcony. And that morning, he heard a loud noise. He ran out to the balcony and he saw something very strange. He saw a cobra and it bit the canary bird and the canary died immediately. A series of mysterious incidents happened after the discovery and the opening of the tomb of King Tutankhamun. More than 40 people died of unknown reasons and causes. Death taking lives, Tutankhamun announcing his revenge. It started by Lord Carnovan, who financed the discovery of the tomb of King Tutankhamun. His half-brother, Mr. Aubrey Herbert, became blind and died of blood poison in the same year, 1923. The wife of Lord Carnovan also died from a bite of a mosquito in the year 1929. She suffered terrible fever as well. On the inauguration day of the tomb of King Tutankhamun in Cairo, the famous archaeologist Mr. Mohammed Zakaria died of an unknown fever. It was said that he wounded himself when he was in the tomb looking for the treasures. He was poisoned and he died the same night. Mr. Callender met a sudden death. They found him suffocated in his bedroom in November 1929. Mourning the loss of his son, father of Mr. Callender, committed suicide. The famous anthropologist, Dr. Henry Filler, his house caught fire, he lost it. As he sent a gift to Carter himself, he sent him a group of photographs showing beautiful necklace from the collection of King Tutankhamun's treasures. Also, a very mysterious incident took place when all the lights went off in Cairo on the same day of the inauguration of the tomb of King Tutankhamun and without any technical reason that was published the next day in the papers. On the other hand, a group of Egyptian archaeologists and scholars refused the idea of the curse. They were against it, they never believed in it, and they said there is no curse, this is science. And all the deaths that happened to all these groups of people who were involved in the discovery of the tomb of King Tutankhamun, they died of either bacterial infection, fungal infection, poisonous gas, bug bites, and so on. Nothing is called to be the curse. This group of scholars also met sudden deaths of unknown reasons. Dr. Gamal Mehrez, who was completely against the idea of the curse. In 1972, he had a memorable statement. He said, as an archeologist, I lived all my life next to the tombs, next to the mummies. We were so good friends. After he made that statement, a month later, he died. We never knew how he died again 
it's a mysterious death. And it was the same day of removing the famous golden mask from the mummy of King Tutankhamun for the second time. In 2005, world-famous Egyptologist Dr. Zahi Hawes was on a quest to uncover the truth behind the death of King Tut. If you were to meet the 73-year-old Egyptologist, the first thing that you would ask yourself is whether he's a relative of Indiana Jones. The two have practically identical brown fedoras. The second thing you'd notice about Dr. Zahi Hawes is his love for denim. Google him. In every single picture, he's dressed in a blue denim button-up and blue denim jeans. But this isn't a podcast about denim, it's a podcast about curses, and Dr. Hawes was about to experience one firsthand. As Sedwa recounted earlier, King Tut does not take kindly to being handled, and Dr. Hawes was on his way to take the king's mummy, run it through big, loud mechanical scanners, and extract its DNA. Things were bound to go bad, and bad they went. Just as Dr. Hawes was starting his journey to the Valley of the Kings, his driver Mansur suddenly hit the brakes. They were about to run over a young boy. They joked about the curse and continued driving. A short while later, Dr. Hawes's phone rang. It was his sister. Her husband had passed away. Upon arriving at the valley, his phone rang once more. The former Minister of Culture, Farooq Hosni, had just passed away from a heart attack. That's three unfortunate events within the span of a few hours. Dr. Hawes was met by the Japanese team visiting to film the experiment when without warning, a storm took over the desert. The clear skies turned gray and flashed with thunder. Violent winds howled and whipped up the sand. Rain poured down from the heavens, but then the storm vanished as suddenly as it had appeared. They were able to get the king out of his sarcophagus and place him into the CT scanner. Everything was finally going according to plan. Dr. Hawes asked the technician to start the machine and... Nothing happened. The brand new scanner had just stopped working. But that was it. After about half a dozen mysterious and unlucky incidents, Dr. Hawes was finally able to complete his scan after an hour and is still alive and well. Here's what he has to say about curses. Actually, there is nothing called the curse of the furs. It's beautiful for a book. There is nothing called the curse of the furs or the curse of Tutankham. So what was it that he discovered about King Tut, the king whose mummy brought so much fear and alleged death? Finally, our target to be reached, how King Tutankhamun died. He neither died of tuberculosis as it was believed, nor murder. Dr. Zahi proved that he died in an accident as he fell down from his chariot in one of his hunting trips, causing a terrible fracture in the leg bone. And for two days, he suffered fever, blood poison, gargarine, and that led to his death. 
But even before his accident, King Tut wasn't very healthy. He suffered from malaria, a club foot, and Kohler's disease, which led to poor blood circulation. We didn't really need a CT scan, DNA tests, or all that fancy equipment to know this. No less than 140 walking canes were found in King Tut's tomb. This mummy isn't a monster. It's not a tyrannical bloodthirsty beast. It's just the corpse of a frail, sick, young boy who became a king at 10 years old and died less than a decade later. Well, my dear listeners, I think it's time to share you my own point of view. As a tour guide and a tour manager, I have been working more than 30 years visiting these temples and tombs, approaching the dead bodies and mummies of our royal pharaohs. Tell you the truth, I never felt there is something called the curse. I am not that person who is superstitious. And I believe this is more like mere coincidence, marketing about the discovery of the tomb. Humans, when faced with overwhelming death and tragedy, seem to turn to the occult to gather some semblance of meaning. That's what happened after both world wars. Belief in the supernatural, psychics, and magic skyrocketed. People just couldn't accept the fact that their loved ones were gone forever, just like that. I think that the absence of a curse is infinitely more terrifying than one existing. Horrible, tragic things take place haphazardly and without warning. In real life, death comes to us all, even if we avoid walking under ladders, breaking mirrors, and disturbing aging tombs. You could be chilling by the pool only to get an innocent mosquito bite that would soon turn into an infected scar. You could be in the car on your way to work and receive a phone call that a loved one has passed away. If you think about it, that's what the curse was really about. It wasn't about revenge or evil, it was merely a feeble attempt at preserving the mummies of the dead in the hopes that they can someday escape the clutches of death. Perhaps that's what the real curse is. Whether you're the king of a great empire or an accountant, death, with its poisonous wings, comes for us all.